0: by emailing us at info at Bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give.
1: Welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. And so tonight I'm going to be talking about a few hard things. Don't quit just yet. I want your help. I want your help. First of all, I need you to subscribe, man. I tell you what, this year I want to get us over averaging over a thousand per episode. You know, we need some subscribers out there, and the only way this is going to happen, we never hit any algorithms because you know we talk about Jesus and I talk about hard things. And so, with that being said, tell your friends, tell your buddies, tell your parents, whatever it is about the podcast, if it blesses you in any way. With that being said, I want to begin the podcast tonight by sharing with you some things. So every year, um, I sit before the Lord, um, and usually, and I'll ask, hey, "Okay, tell him, give me a word for the coming year." Um, usually, my wife beats me to it and has a better word because I'll be like, "Oh, it's going to be a great year." You know, and don't you hear? Don't you hear that? And the Lord will say, "Be telling her like, oh, be ready for death, destruction, fears coming." You know, don't be afraid. And and so I'm like, okay. And usually, she's been right. And so I decided this year to very faithfully. You know, just you fast and pray and ask for a word over 2024 because there's a lot of things going on. Okay, so there's no question that we see chaos in the world. It's an election year. Um, I'm sure that things are just going to be so handy and dandy and upright and straightforward and honest, don't you? Um, but here's what we need. To, the word that I feel like the Lord gave me. First of all, there's going to be chaos in the world. We that, that's You don't have to be a genius to know that, right? There's going to be absolute chaos in the world, but there are going to be pockets of peace. There are going to be pockets of peace that God is going to give his people. And he wants us, and and I'm going to share several things, and we're going to dig into this. There's scripture behind every bit of what I'm going to share. So when the Lord gives you a word, and you're thinking, oh, no, he's talking prophecy, don't turn it off. Let me tell you something. Prophecy always lines up with the word of God, um, and he also confirms his word, and, and he's done both things. And tonight I'm going to share with you how the word that God gave me lines up with scripture. Um, with that being said, um, it, it, the word that I, that I kept hearing, the phrase that I kept hearing is the time is up. There's no more time. And I know that you're thinking, oh, Jesus is coming back. Well, he is, but I'm not saying now. That's not what the time is up means. It means the time is up for sitting on the fence. You've got to get in the fight. And I'm going to give you a lot of scripture that goes along with this. But here's a very key thing that the Lord said to me um, about this coming year. It says the level of your faith will dictate the outcome of your 2024 If you have great faith and you dig into the word, you will be blessed. And I'm going to give you exact scripture, including that word, okay? And we're going to look at it in the Greek. But you will be blessed. But if you do not have faith and you lean on the world and the world's understanding, it's going to be a rough year for you. I'm just going to say it's going to be a rough year. And and I want to tell you this, that God doesn't want that for you. I want you to know this, think of this, and we're going to, I'm going to actually, we're going to dig into some Old Testament stuff tonight, Um, but all throughout the scripture, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of tribulation, think about, uh, you know, in exile, Daniel, Babylon, when he, the the Babylonians had taken uh, Judah Israel into, the Jews into exile, Daniel and his, you know, his friends were, were protected by God and elevated, all right, that when I'm not saying we're going to be drug off and <laughs> put in exile someplace, OK, but even in a bad economy, even when we don't think that there's a way, I'm going to show you some how God intervenes for his people. And, and there's some really neat, neat stories behind this. But we're going to begin tonight um, in the New Testament. And I want to talk to you just the, we're going to talk about the thing that Jesus tells us about what I just mentioned regarding that word about time is up, but also about getting in the fight. No more time for just sitting on the fence. You've got to make a decision. So we're going to first look at, actually, Revelation 3, 15 through 17. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you. I mean, that's a powerful word. I will, And I'm going to tell you exactly, you know, what that means here in a minute, but I will will vomit you out of my mouth because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have uh, need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I want to. Sh- that's a, that's I know that's a harsh word. Okay, but that's Jesus speaking to us. We have a tendency in Western society, okay, especially here in America, to be able to to rely on our pocketbooks. We. How, how often have you gone hungry? Now that happens. People I know I know a number of people, and I'm involved with ministries where people do go hungry, and and we give to the needy, and we need to help them. But if, in regards to America. There's access to food everywhere. That's going to change during the tribulation, but that's not a teaching for tonight. The other thing that we have a tendency to rely on is we're comfortable. We're comfortable in our lives. We have a comfortable job, a, com- a comfortable steady income, a comfortable car, a comfortable house. We go home to an air-conditioned room, and we sleep on a cozy bed. And when the wind was howling—so I'm filming this on, uh, I think it would be January 9th. Isn't it? So last night, it was that stupid blizzard wind. I mean, no, no snow. I mean, typical Texas, Right. I mean, we had like some kind of tumbleweeds out in front of our house. I don't know. I don't even know where they came from, man. We had these huge tumbleweeds, just as like a bomb. Me trying when I came home last night, we had tumbleweed the size of oak trees in our front yard. I don't know what that's all about, but I'm telling you, I go in the house though, get in the house, and we're protected. Let me tell you something. All that is all that will, will, will fall away. It's not and here's the thing too. I've taught on you know the difference between happiness and joy. You know, happiness is based on happening. That's where we get the, the word. Any of those things can be taken away from you. You know, relationships, money, stability, all those things can be taken, but joy comes from the from the Lord. And as we talk about these things, I want to to make sure that you understand that our faith is going to dictate our 2024 outcome, and I also believe that our faith will dictate not, not, not just in regards to the protection and the sovereign God protecting us in a bubble, okay, when the world, when it's chaotic out there, but I'm also talking about even blessing us financially, an increase when everybody else is having decrease. That's, that's the word the Lord has spoken over you for 2024, his church, his body. The word vomit, emeo, okay, is only used this one time. The only time in Scripture that that it's used, and Jesus is saying, it's an an action of spewing to vomit, vomit forth, or to throw up. So, it's, I mean, he's going to just spew you out of your mouth if if we're lukewarm. Get on fire for God. Let's go to the next Scripture. In James 4, 4 through 6, it says, Adulterers and adulteresses. Now, I'm not just speaking to that group. Let's keep going, okay? Everybody stops right there. Oh, if you're having adultery or committing adultery or something like that, that's who they're talking to. No, let's keep going. Do you know that friendship with the world is at enmity with God? That's to be that, an absolute vile enemy of God, okay? I it, it mean, it's an, it's an abomination, an aberration, okay? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, or do you think that the scripture says, in vain, the spirit dwells in us, yearns jealously? Now, this is really important. I want you to listen to this next part. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, and notice this in quotes, because it's referenced in not only the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. I'll give you at least one more reference here in a minute. But it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's one of the most powerful sentences in scripture. You need to understand what that means. The resist is anti tasma, uh, anti and anti means to range in battle against, to oppose one's self or to resist. Here's what that scripture says: It says that if I am proud and I am leaning on the world for for my comfort, that I am that God will set Himself. This is God saying this: God will set Himself in battle formation against you. Did you just hear what I said? And the thing is, is we're so comfortable in the world. We want our TikTok. We want our Instagram. We want our social. We want our VRs now. We want all this stuff. And don't get me wrong. I'm not coming down on all that, okay? God can use anything for his benefit and for good. I like to go home almost every night. I like to go home, and I spend time with the girls, the kids, and, and my boy. We might hang out and watch a movie. And, and well, well, I love – all that's fine, Okay? Um, there's a teaching I'm going to do here for a long, This different, that's another word that the Lord gave me about consume, uh, sorry, creating more than we consume. And, and, but all this is connected. It's all connective tissue. I know that if there are things that are above God, that I think about more than God, those are called high places. And we're going to get to that in a minute. I want to keep going. And, and just for another scriptural reference, if you look at Matthew 23, 12, it says, this is Jesus again, speaking. He says that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's also in Proverbs, okay? There's there's a a reference. You see the patterns here. Let's go to Scripture number three. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And this is the hardest thing. I'm going to talk a little bit about this in a minute, and I'll give you some testimony just of of what the Lord has uh, done for us in this area. But doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he walks up, right, observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what he looks like. Think of that. Just I'm going to pause for a minute. I walk to a mirror. I look at myself. And the moment I walk away, I can't remember what I look like. That's what he's saying happens if we're only hearers of the word. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it, boy, I tell you what, man, I could tie in the Constitution on that one right there. Okay, <clears throat> and, and honestly, that might be kind of, you know, something that we need to touch on here for too long. But it says, is not forgetful here of the word, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. That's James 1, 22 through 25. That word blessed right there is makarios. And it occurs 50 times in Scripture. But here's supremely blessed. By extension, fortunate and well off, blessed and happy. I don't know about you, but with the state of the world, I need God's blessing. I want to be under His covering. I want to be supremely blessed. And let me tell you something that is a testimony to the world, and it will bring people into salvation. All you have to do is have faith. And you say, well, my, you don't understand what my work looks like. You don't understand my financial problems. You don't understand my marriage and what's going on there. I do have a word for you here in just a minute. We're going to talk about Hezekiah here in a few minutes and what God did for him and who he was. But you need to understand that there is nothing impossible for God. Faith is going to be your dictator. And, and so I'm going to share a couple of things personally. Um, I, I, I serve. I, I, I love people. And, um, and I tell you what, there's, there, recently I was given the opportunity over Christmas um, to, to bring a message to some of my favorite people on this planet, um, the poor and the brokenhearted. I know that that sounds crazy. You like going and talking to the poor and the brokenhearted? I do, because they are totally submitted and willing to receive the word of God. Um, they know what hardship looks like. They know what pain looks like. You know, and it's something that um, I have, it's it's a group of people that I've been around for, you know, 15, 20 years. And actually, and I want to say this I'll tell you where the seed was put in me. Um, When I was a little boy, and and I can't remember exactly what was going on, but I remember I went with my mom to the side of town that we didn't normally go to, and she was bringing food to a family. It was a single mom uh, with a number of children, and they were very poor. And I'd never really seen anything like that. But as a kid, I just saw another kid. And they had a, a, you know, an old, broken-down television, but it was showing cartoons. It was great with me. And so I sit down with this other little boy. And my mom, I could look in there, and she's sitting at the kitchen table um, with this other woman. And I could tell she was just ministering to her and talking to her, trying to figure out how she could help her in some way. Um, and me and this little boy, I mean, it doesn't matter. From a demographic perspective, we were complete opposites. But we sat there, we laughed, had a good time, watched TV. And it, it was a seed that was planted in me that God would water in, and it would grow inside of me. You need to understand something about serving, okay, being doers of the word. God's currency is people, okay? All he, he doesn't care about how much money you have, how much power you have. All that is worldly thinking. And let me tell you something, the more you go after it, the, harder it'll, <clears throat> the more it will consume you. And Satan may help you just have heaps and piles of money because he knows that it'll draw you away from God. God isn't afraid of money. He will give you tons of money. In fact, look at look at how many people he's blessed with in Scripture, okay? I know so many wealthy people that are godly people. But if if that money is going to destroy you, God doesn't want that to, to let that happen. Choose God. And, and instead, through this process, if you will see people and other people's needs above your own, and this is also, by the way, the secret of a great marriage, <laughs> Put your spouse above yourself, and you can have a great marriage. It's a, very, it's a very simple concept, but love on people. When you see them hurting, love on them. When you see them celebrating, celebrate with them. You know. And, and that's what being a doer of the Word is, is to pour into other people. So I want to go ahead and, and shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about something that is one of my favorite things, and that is the Word. I love the Bible. If you can read... In fact, I think I might have mentioned this in, in, in previous podcasts, but one of the things that I love to do. So, when I, when I, if you, I don't have I I a camera close enough to zoom in here, I'll see if, uh, see if you can kind of see some of this, but you can see some writing and stuff around the edges and periphery, um, highlights, underlines. And in fact, if you look, like you can just see, I mean, I just, every, almost every page, um, has writing and highlights and, and underlining and stuff. <clears throat> well, this is something that I want to give each one of my kids. Okay, they can see my thoughts. They can see how I study. Um, my, I have bubble study Bible study notes too. But I, I sit with the Lord every day. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I saw one that I ran across the other day. So, and whenever the, the the nation is split, and, and I'm going to be I'm going to be spending the rest of the, the the podcast in First and Second Kings. If you want to go there. Um, but there was a tax collector that uh, was sent by Rebom. And uh, anyway, they, the, the uh, Israelites, they, uh, they rejected him by stoning him and killing him. And I found in my notes, I uh, had an arrow pointing up saying, hmm, IRS, question mark. Anyway, so I'm leaving a lot of little fun nuggets, you know, for my kids um, when I'm no longer around. But that's something that's cool, right? They can see how I studied. And, and, I and so when I fill one up, I'll put it on a shelf. Get another Bible and just start over again. And my goal, I have five kids. And my goal is to make sure that I have one for everyone. But my wife, I want her to have the first one. Um, and hopefully we all go together in the rapture, right? But something could happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a quick history of the kings. And we're going to talk about Solomon and really kind of how stupid he was. But we're going to begin with David. So David, I don't know if you know this, okay? And, but I'm going to give you some tidbits as we go along here, okay? Samuel was the last judge and the first prophet okay so he is what breaks up the the judges and is, and comes in we have Saul first obviously if you know the story and then King David King David God says was a man after his own heart and we know that he was imperfect so if you think that and he not only was he imperfect he killed somebody so that he could you know try to cover well he first he tried to cover up getting this other man one of his mighty men by the way Uriah his his wife pregnant then when all that didn't work he sent him out and had him murdered okay okay had him killed but all that okay i know that i started on the big but david though as a whole he, he did not worship false gods he 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 served the lord his god all of his life and he and if you go read psalm 51 it says oh then it's a great prayer it says oh create in me a clean heart renew in me a right spirit o god and you can just hear the passion in his plea for the sin that he committed with bathsheba Um, and he was pleading for the life of the child that he would ultimately take. But that child, we know, went straight to heaven. Um, Okay, but you need to know, so it begins with David, right? The kingdom did not last long before it fell into stupidity. So let's go ahead and let's look at this scripture right here. We're going to start with Solomon, okay? For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. We're going to talk about Ashtoreth. I'm going to talk about each of these demonic gods, pagan gods, here in just a minute, okay? Um, And after... Uh, Milcom, the, ab- uh, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built up high places for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab on the hill of the east of Jerusalem, <clears throat> and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon, the Ammonites. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to the gods. If you go back and you look, and that's in First Kings 11, if you go back up a few verses, you'll see that it was never—God's God. commandment was first broken, you know, by a man named Lamech, okay? And the commandment of one man and one wife in regards to marriage. It was first broken in Genesis by a man named Lamech. And he made a deal in Genesis 6-4 with uh, the, the fallen angels, okay, and fallen angels looked upon the daughters of men, and, and we're going to do a lot of podcasts, you know, actually about three or four on this particular subject, but they looked on the daughters of men and th- found them beautiful, and they wanted to corrupt. This was actually Satan's plan from the beginning, to corrupt the seed of man, so they would corrupt the seed of the Savior, the Messiah. Um, but Lamech was the first one to break the rule of one wife. And, and it was his daughter Nema that he gave to the fallen angels, and from them you have— and there was also a transaction made. We'll talk more about that in future podcasts, but that's where the Nephilim came from. Um, But here's the thing is that then—so after that, I mean, it's just like obliterated the law of one wife. I mean, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And it says a few verses up, in beginning in verse 1, that he he was not supposed to marry with the Hittites, the Ammonites, uh, the Moabites, because they were all pagan worshipers. They They did not follow the one true God, the God most high. So they knew what would come. So who are some of these false gods? So I mentioned, we're going to go through through these, but Ashtoreth has a number of names. Um, and we're going to, there's one here that you'll recognize probably in a minute. But Ananna was the Sumerian name. Ishtar, okay, that's probably the one that might sound familiar to you. The Akkadian, Assyrians, and Babylonians uh, Babylonians, um, referred to this Ashtoreth as, as Ishtar. Okay, Asherah. Um, it was also the same 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 pagan god. Think of these kind of even like in a, a denomination type of th- thought process. But the Hittites, the Canaanites, but they also had the, most of these had the same worship tactics around this one particular god. Uh, Astarte was the Egyptian, Phoenician, and then Ashtoreth, which is the one we see in Scripture, which is Canaanite, Phoenician, Egyptian, and so forth. So I want to show you a couple of images here, and through this process. Um, as, as we go through these, just I, there was I, I know this very first image. So if you have kids watching, it's it's not really bad. But I mean, I had I wanted to show some level of, of what this goddess was. So this was the goddess of sexuality and fertility. But not only that, let me tell you how nasty this was. Okay, and I'm going to show you the gate of Ishtar that went into Babylonian. Uh, sorry, into the the Babylonian um, empire. Here in a second, and I've shown them on previous podcasts when we're talking about uh, Babylon. But they, she, she was, you know, to, to worship um, Ashtoreth or Ishtar. Okay, basically, with the if you're a woman, what you had to do is either you had to sacrifice your hair, or and or um, prostitute yourself. Now there were here's the, here's the thing. This this was the goddess also known of war. Okay, and this was also uh, the same goddess that promoted transgenderism, get this, the priests in the temple were men dressed as women, okay, and the Ishtar, Ashtar, God herself could quote-unquote change between being a male and a female, she uh, gave both male attributes as a warrior and a female attributes as a sexual goddess, okay, Um, so kind of, now you know why I said, I I picked the most modest ones I could pick. Okay. Um, but here's, here's the first one. Um, this is an ancient representation. Notice a couple of things going on here. I'm not going to get fully into it tonight, but the bird claw feet, um, the lions, the hands, okay. And the, the wings on the back, there's a lot of things. She was also basically able to quote unquote transform herself. There's a level of, of other demonic Things represented there that I don't necessarily want to get into tonight. You can look some of that up yourself. Uh, I recommend the book uh, Return of the Gods by Jonathan Cahn. He can get into a lot of that for you. It's really good stuff. Okay, notice this one. This is another representation of Ishtar. Okay, notice there that at the bottom... And they call her Queen of Heaven, which is insane. Um, I'm going to—I'm thinking about this year, and just put down in the comments if this would interest you. I'm thinking about going over a lot of the different denominations, including Mormonism, and what their beliefs really are. What do the Jehovah's Witness believe? What does the Catholic Church believe, Um, other than the Pope now blessing um, gays? But anyway, I digress. So, but notice that the bottom looks like a pentagram as well, right? There's ties from here in later centuries into Baphomet and some other things, other demonic entities. Okay, so this is the gate of Ishtar that you would have seen coming into the capital. This is just a replication, um, you know, a reproduced gate that you can uh, visit. But here's what it would have more looked like in regards to coming into one of the great wonders of the world, right? The Babylon, the hanging gardens of Babylon and so forth. And so you would enter the the, the gate of Ishtar and the temple would be right there. And so you can see from the very beginning, the entire, the Babylonians, this was one of the most you know uh sought after um goddesses gods that they worshiped so you need to understand that these are not things that these are—and the reason I'm going through these because these are the gods that Solomon was worshiping. See, we, we look and we think, oh, yeah, Solomon, he was wise. Let me tell you something. He, he was wise in, in regards to uh, negotiating, in regards to uh, national affairs and things like that. He was the most wealthy man ever, okay? He's the wealthiest person ever. And you look at some of these billionaires. I mean, there's some that probably get close to rivaling him, but it's for the time, unprecedented. And <clears throat> if you look— and what he started doing, a lot of times we think, well, because you probably watch movies with Solomon and, and, you know, he's just sprinkling something on an altar because he built all these altars up. The word says don't have multiple wives. Don't marry from these other foreign nations because they're all pagan and they will pull you away from God. And that's exactly what it did. And so tell your kids. All right. The word says the bad in Proverbs. It says the bad company corrupts good habits, and that is absolutely true. If you, I, I'm a pretty solid guy. I know what I believe, um, but who I surround myself with matters. And I know, no matter how solid I am, I go put myself out there with a bunch of doofuses and idiots going out drinking beer, chasing women. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to end up falling into that trap because I'm falling away from God, and eventually my heart. What the whole point of that is to try to pull your heart away from God. I'm going to pursue God with everything I'm. Says the, the word says to flee. The very appearance of evil. To flee the very appearance of evil. Well, Solomon did not do this. And that's why I'm going through these guys. I want you to understand what he actually did. This was not the worst of them. Let's keep going. If you can actually keep going, okay, we'll look at... <clears throat> so, Chemosh... Uh, there's not a whole lot known, but basically, many people think that it's similar to Ashtoreth and/or Bel. Um, if you actually look in Second Kings 23, we're going to talk about Josiah here in a minute. He demolished, he destroyed basically all the the, the temples and uh, the the high places of Chemosh. So a lot of it died with that. But it's probably like a denomination of of uh, Ishtar. Then we have Milcom, which is also another name for Molech. So this one's pretty bad. This one's pretty bad. Um, Molech is the God of, is a pagan God of child sacrifice. And what people would do was, would, would, they would take it as a burning fire and ember. In fact, there were several different ways of going about this. They, some would make their child walk across burning embers, okay? There was a, that Solomon built. By the way, he built these temples. It's referenced later when um, <clears throat> Hezekiah begins to te- tear down the high places, but especially when Josiah goes after him, okay? And it says that the high, the, the, there's a valley. And this demonic valley, in fact, it was left, in this, there's a connection between it and Judas Iscariot. Whenever um, his gut spilled out, okay, it was in that same region. But the the, the area of, of Molech, okay, where they would make their children walk across, uh, across uh, burning embers, they would take babies, okay, and they would have a, a, a bronze bull, okay. I have a few images I'm going to show you, but a bronze bull with a furnace, just as hot as you can get it. Billowing inside and they would throw a, a live baby screaming. Can you imagine how twisted and sick you have to be to do this into that burning, uh, that burning idol? Solomon was participating in this. It says right there that he was, he was offering sacrifices to these gods. Okay, here's a couple of images. Here's an, here's a, an image of uh, uh, Moloch, okay, and a representation Here's another, okay, and this is, and I had some that were copyright, and I didn't have time to go and, and to mess it, but there's another one that showed a more accurate representation of, and you can go look these up online yourself, of what <clears throat> that it would actually look like. So, <clears throat> real quick, I want to show you some images. These, these are actually reconstructions. Now, before I get here, this is Dan. We're going to come back to this in a minute. So, let's do a quick little bit of a, uh, if you go back to 1 Kings when Solomon fell away from God, and I'm actually just going to look it up in my Bible. I don't have it in my notes here. So if you go look at First uh, um, Kings and you begin to look at, uh, I'm in Second Kings. That would make the difference there. And you look at when Solomon fell away, okay, then what happened was it says that because of what he fell away from God, God says he is going to split his nation, but he was not going to do it until after he died. And it would fall to his son. You go to First Kings chapter 12, and we have um, the revolt against Rehoboam. So this is going to get a little confusing. So, but I didn't write this. This is the Bible. We got two guys. We got Rehoboam R, and that is Solomon's son. And he's a moron. And so, you know, all these you know, high priests, they spoke to him after that. And he says, hey, listen, you know, they give him great counsel. And he says, well, I'm going to go talk to my buddies while we're drinking. And they said, hey, you need to be, you know. He comes up and he says that my little fingers will be thicker than my father's waist in regards to taxes and the oppression of the people. And God's already saying, well, I'm going to split this. This is the Reader's Digest version of First Kings. So what happens is that God already, he's going to take the nation away from Rehoboam. There's another guy named uh, Jeroboam, and there was a, uh, a priest, Ahijah, and he called uh, Jeroboam out of Jerusalem, and they go out there. He tears up a garment into uh, 12 pieces. He says, choose 10, and those are going to become the nation of Israel. Okay, and so if you go, in, and so God split, there's a revolt um, between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, and so let's just fast forward a little bit, and if you go to 1st, <clears throat> um, uh, 25 of chapter 12, 1 Kings, you begin to see that he, What? from one of the first things he did was build high places. So there were already high places in the, uh, in, in which, which is now called Judah. So this is where it gets confusing, right? Where Jerusalem is, is Judah. The other locations, the other 10 tribes are called Israel and they build a capital later, okay, called Samaria. All right. But the very first thing that um, Jeroboam does is he builds in two towns, one called Dan and one called Bethel. He builds the high places to worship these false gods. And not only does, does he do that, he begins to create false feasts that don't exist so that they are no longer worshiping and praising the one true God. Does that sound familiar? This is exactly what Satan does. There's so much. I wish I could spend more on this. I get excited about First and Second Kings. There's just so much meat here. But <clears throat> that's how the nations become divided and split. Where I want to spend most of my time, but before before I get, I told you a little while ago that I talk about Hezekiah a little bit. So all these kings come and go, right? I mean, one after the other, after centuries, one after the other, after the other, and every now and then you'll say, and and a good king came, Jehu was one of those, okay? He started off strong but he finished weak. He started off strong because he ended up he was the one so the that had to clean up and mop up the mess of Ahab's sons and so forth, okay? If you know who Ahab and Jezebel is, you've probably heard of Jezebel before. Boy, those are two stupid demonic people. Elijah the prophet in the middle of all that he went against the belt. Okay. He's starting to think about, okay, I'll let you go look that up. But so you, but then it says, then the next king, he, you know, did even worse than the king before and more evil than the one before, more evil than the one before. And so you keep going until you get to second Kings and we get to Hezekiah and Hezekiah and, and, and by the way, it says Jehu, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was good in the sight of the Lord. But he did not tear down the high places, and every decent king that was, he said, did not tear down the high places. Did not tear down the high places, right? So then we get to um, Hezekiah, and he's going to be having to deal with this guy named Sennacherib, who was a, and basically he was he was uh, influenced by the Antichrist spirit. Whole nother story, really interesting. But I do want to share a little bit of this story because you know there's two two time two exiles, right? So beginning in 2 Kings 18, so there's two exiles that take place. The first one is Israel. The northern, okay, get get uh, taken away by Sennacherib, and, uh, the Assyrians, rather, okay? And S- uh, Sennacherib is the, the king of, of, of Assyria that's going to be hassling <clears throat> and coming after Judah, Hezekiah. And he goes, and he is—when you want to know in the Scripture, well, is this the Antichrist spirit? Okay, well, like— Aren't you talking about like the guy at the end? I am, but the Antichrist spirit has been alive from the very beginning. I mean, this is, this is a demonic spirit, an influence. Anything that stands against God and wants to drag you away from the messianic line, okay, and the truth of God is anti- messianic is anti-god anti-christ and so he tells hezekiah's people because they're coming after him and they said and so his general shouts and says listen i'm going to take you away thus says the king do not let hezekiah deceive you for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand nor let hezekiah make you trust the lord saying the lord i mean he's just being bravado he says come with me I have, we, you can come live with us and you will have your own vineyards and your own fig trees and your own wells. It's just like where you came from. And that's, the, that's when you can always identify the Antichrist. It's false. He's, he's promising the same thing, but it's false. Well, Hezekiah didn't listen. And I want. To, this is one of the cool places that uh, you probably have heard. So go to 2 uh, uh, Kings beginning in um, 19 verse 35. And this is really cool. It, it was impossible. I mean, the army that Hezekiah had. So we're looking at all these things going on. When we talk about faith in 2024 and making sure that your faith is in the God, regardless of how big your hurdles are in front of you, this is the scripture you need to go back to, and you need to, to raise it up and pay, put it on your refrigerator and remember what God does for his people. Because Hezekiah was righteous, and, and God had already extended his life at this point he, because he was faithful. God gave him another 15 years. And in this point right here, okay, And it came to pass on a certain night that an angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 people. Do you hear that? Supernaturally, God destroyed the Assyrian army. And when the people arose early the next morning, there were corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home. Uh, away home and returned home and remained in Nineveh. That's where their capital was. Now it came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, so another pagan false god, right, that his sons, okay, Adrammelech and Asharazar uh, struck him down with a sword, and then they ran away. And it's, it's, god is supernatural, and, and when you think that it's all so big that you can't, there's nothing you can do about it, okay, turn back to God. So let's, let's fast forward. So Hezekiah was a good king, tore down the high places. That's the first thing he did. He tore them down, man, ripped them all down. He has a son, though, named Manasseh. And this dude, this dude, if you go to, so this begins in 2 Kings 21. Manasseh was an absolute, he, and it says that he did more evil. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made wooden image, as Ahab king of Israel had done. And he worshipped all the host of heaven and served him and built the altars of the house of the Lord. It goes on and on and on. And he did evil, go on, beginning in about oh, almost to verse 7, it says, He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. But here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. Manasseh was king for 55 years. 55 years. So he has a son named Amos. Okay, and now we're getting to the good part, but he has a son named Amos, and Amos has a son named Josiah. Josiah is a stud. This guy, so when he, he's eight years old when he becomes king, okay? And he has the leadership of the, the high priest, okay, the, who's going to um, help bring back the true worship in, in, the, in the nation, and Hil, Hilkiah was his name. And so I want to tell you two stories through this scripture right here that's pretty amazing. Remember a while ago I said Samuel was the last judge, first prophet? Well, he was alive around that, that the, train, the, the transaction, the, the change, the transition there was about 1012 B.C. Uh, Josiah becomes king at 8 years old, okay, in 640 B.C. You can do the math there, okay? When you also, and then whenever you look at, it, it will be a little bit later, so this is a, a really, in, in beginning in Second uh, Kings 22, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this for you a little bit. Beginning in verse 3, Hilkiah finds a new book of the law. So he finds a, a, a scroll in the temple. In this temple, nobody, in fact, nobody knew. They, they were no longer, remember, jo, uh, Jeroboam had done away. And so had they done away with Passover feasts and all these things in, in Judah at this time. They'd forgotten even what the law, they no longer, I mean, they were, the high priest didn't know these things. They found this book of the law. And there's an interesting twist here. So women were not allowed to be priests. They were not allowed to enter the temple. But yet there was this woman, a prophetess. Okay, She lived in the second quarter of Jerusalem, which where she lived would have been backed up against the wall of the temple. And her name was Huldah. And if you go to uh, 2 Kings 22, beginning in verse 13, it says, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people. So just... Also briefly, Josiah. So Hil- uh, Hilkiah he read this to Josiah, and he tore his clothes and he wept. He's like, "We are not doing these things. We are not keeping, you know, the the laws of the Lord Most High." And and so he need, they needed counsel. They didn't know exactly what all they were supposed to be doing, and needed you know counsel. So who do they go to? They go to hold a a, a, a woman, a prophetess, and she. So beginning in verse fourteen, so Hil- Hilkiah the priest. And, uh, and some of his, some of his uh, other priests went with him here, uh, to hold of the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Haras, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter and they spoke with her. And Then she said to them, thus says the Lord. So here's a, here's a woman Okay, a prophetess that God speaks to, and the high priest of the temple is going to this woman, to who he knows here's God, to find out what. Hey, first of all, whoops, what do we do now, and what are we supposed to do moving forward? And here's what she says: Tell the man who sent you to me. Thus says the Lord: Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and to all of its inhabitants. All the words of the book. <clears throat> which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused again uh, in this place. But it's going it's to go on. But He says, because your heart was tender and humble, you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard <clears throat> what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become uh, a, a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes and wept before me. I have heard you," says the Lord. "Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers." In other words, he's going to he's going to live out his life, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see the calamity which I bring upon this place. Here's what we need to start talking and asking God. Here's here's what's crazy. When you look at this, they had not observed Passover at that time for for three hundred and ninety years. Can you? It's just there's so much here. Think of this, <clears throat> that just between when the, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel was taken by the Assyrians and Judah was taken into exile um, by uh, the Babylonians, there's about 137 years, I think. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in that range. Okay, 137, 140 years. I can't remember exactly, but I think that's, I think that's right. Well, think of what, j- just take the, where it's 2024. Go back. It would be, what, 1880s, 18, you know, late 1800s. We were still healing as a nation from a civil war. I mean, these are people that even recently—you can—are back here not very far, okay? But yet you think there's all this time between all these events. Just for point of reference, Jeremiah, the prophet, he began to rise up as a prophet around the same time as uh, Josiah became king. And and Jeremiah would be preaching the word through Josiah's reign and about three other kings. Um, two of those which, at that point, they're already in, in exile. So why do I go through all of that history lesson? Why do I go through all that? You know, and, and we're getting closer to happening. But now here's what I'll, I really want you to listen to this part. This is the most part, important part of tonight. This is digging for the truth. I wanted to do a Bible study with you a little bit, teach you some of the Word. There's good stuff in here. And I didn't even get to talk about all the exciting stuff. I mean, I can go on and on and on about the Word. But I want to tell you this. You and I, all of us, if we ask and are honest with ourselves, what are the high places in your life? And as soon as I say that, you know that there's some prick in your heart, that God is telling you that there's a high place in your life. Why do they call him the God most high? Because he's above all these other false gods, okay? That in in anything that is above God, whether it be our work, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our kids, whether it be... um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a few things that aren't very comfortable. Okay, sports and 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 I'm an athlete. I, I was a I was a, you know a wrestler, and I, I you know I, I'm I love sports, but it has become where it, it's an idol. Um, <clears throat> our daughter, she is involved with ballet, and we never saw her. We never saw her. It, it, and I'm not saying that if your kids doing ballet, I'm not saying any of those things. Okay, all I'm saying is, is that. It is so important that we make sure that the God most high is where our time, focus, and attention is. What else is in your life? And I'm just going to be completely honest. What are you looking at on Instagram? What are you looking at on YouTube? Um, what are you looking at on other things? And I'm not just talking to men. I'm talking to, to women too. Um, I remember down at Hope Choice, there was one time, this was before it was Hope Choice, I think still, uh, like, you know, before it was renamed. But, um, you know, the story of a little girl who's eight years old, and she was addicted to pornography. An eight-year-old little girl. Um, because she was given a tablet um, that her parents didn't protect. And parents were foolish and said, well, it's hers. What were we supposed to do? Just take it away? Uh, yes, take it away. Okay, anyway, I digress. But my point is, is that at, I don't care who you are. We are all susceptible to sin. We are all susceptible to temptation. And I'm asking you right now to be completely honest with yourself and say, what is a high place in your life that needs to be torn down? Do you drink too much? Just asking. I mean— he said, is there something in you? Do, you, what, do you, uh, you binge watch TV too much? You know, are, are, are you just a complete consumer? Are you just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word? And I know that I, it sounds like I'm being harsh, but I'm not trying to be. I, I'm, I'm telling you this because I love people and I love you. And I want God, his, his full potential in your life. I want his full potential in my life. I want to seek God with everything in me. I want everything that God has to offer. And I want that for both of us. And, and as I say that, you know, j- j- just be honest with yourself in 2024. Seek after God with your whole heart, and you will find him, is what it says to us in Jeremiah. Seek after God. I mean, and here's the problem, is that here I am right now, and I'm, I- I'm probably, pre- I'm very much likely in preaching to the choir. Send this to somebody you know that's struggling, and just say, just listen to the end. And if you don't want to hear anything else about God from this point forward, okay. But that, this, this is a seed, that God wants to plant in your heart and to water and to nurture and to see you grow. He wants to prune the vine. And I know pruning is not comfortable. Let me tell you something. What God does though, and what he wants to do is to come back and to trim right up to where that fruit, okay? was Growing long vines that don't produce fruit are no good. He He wants you to produce fruit in your life. And he wants you to produce fruit this year in 2024. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be financially well off. He wants you to have a future. He wants you to have security. He wants all those things, but he wants it to come from him. And let me tell you something. <clears throat> if you think that you can go and, and rely on the stock exchanges and, and, and the, the finances of the world, we as a nation are thirty four trillion dollars in debt. Let me tell you something. That's going to that's going to blow up in, in our face at some point. We're giving away sovereignty to other nations. And I'm saying these things. like, well, see, you're exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's it's really scary and bad. Well, I'll tell you what. It was. It's always been really scary and bad. We've lived. We've been very fortunate to live in, in a peaceful nation that protected us for the longest as long as they did. But we are the only one who can truly protect us and save us and, and to lead us into the promised land that God has for us is God Himself. And so I'm going to ask a couple things of you. First of all, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your life. In Romans 10 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that God, Jesus died and God raised Him from the dead, then you are saved. That's what salvation is. And I just want to tell you that nothing else in life matters. You come into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave it with nothing. It's what you do in between that matters. And you know what that is? It's people. Are you loving on people? Are you letting people love on you? But the mo- before you can do any of those things, to have that agape, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Also, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, or the, the, the body acts. We are doers of the word because of the condition of our heart. And if you don't feel that right now, just go start doing it, and eventually your heart will follow Love on people. Increase your faith. What is, what is faith? Hebrews eleven one, being sure of what you hope for, faithful of what you do not see. Trust in the Lord your God, most high. He's the sovereign creator of the universe. There's no, he's the alpha, the omega, and, and, and he tells us that we are the head and not the tail. And that includes 2024 when we're looking at a year that looks almost impossible. God is going to bring his church up but only if we are true to his word and we increase our faith by trusting in him. Well, thank you for listening. I know that this was a little bit of a heavy, a little bit of a heavy way to start this week, but I'll tell you what, tune in on the next one. We're going to be, I'm actually going to have, a, a, if, if all lines out as it's supposed to, I'm going to have Courtney Crowley. She's a historian and an expert on Israel, and, and she is just a, an absolute delight to be around. And I'm, we're going to be talking about what's going on, the conflict, potentially what it what looks like to be the Psalm 83 war, and what Israel is facing, and what we as Christians can help them do in this time. Well, until the next one, I'll be praying for you guys. Y'all be praying for me, and I'll see you next time.